Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can follow us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Friday, July 23rd. Uh-oh. And Bryn Forbes is an NBA champion. And also, hey, guys. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a minute. We're back. Super back. Two two and a half months felt like the appropriate vacation. Yeah, and as you can, yeah, we both probably sound like we just got back from vacation too. <laughs> I'm I'm sick. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we we picked an awesome time to start this back up. <laughs> We're crushing it. We're doing great. Um, but yeah, hey, listen, uh, John, your Milwaukee Bucks world champs, your baby boy, Bryn Forbes, an integral piece of the bench, uh, as in cheering people on, et cetera. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and let you say that because Bryn played actual minutes in the playoffs. And sure. He was a defensive liability in certain situations, which is why he didn't play the last three games of the uh, series, which is fine because he played every other playoff game up to that point. And like, I'm I'm not going to take anything away from a guy who was the third best player on his high school team. And he's an NBA champion. Like, and he didn't go to, he didn't go to Oak Hill or Monteverde, you know, like this dude went to Lansing Sexton. Listen, guy started his career at Cleveland State, was not drafted. Honestly, kind of gets slept on just in terms of like actual good stories in the NBA. I mean, this dude, yeah, he fell into a perfect situation with the Spurs who know how to use people, you know, Max Mm -hmm. talent. He grinded with the Austin Spurs for two years. Got some. Got some 10 days with Popovich and found a little niche spot, a little role for that team. Um, and Milwaukee said, you know what we need now that Kyle Korver is, uh, joined the AARP and is seven hmm. years old, we need a three-point shooter and uh, for cheap and, because they had signed Giannis to a, a large deal, if you had not heard. Sure. And, and and Drew and Chris Milton weren't cheap. Certainly not like that's money, but they needed a, sh- uh, a cheap alternative. And they got one. And man, did he deliver for them. Uh, Big time. 
I mean, he was a top 10 three-point shooter this year in percentage. Like, if for a guy can stroke, there was never any question that the shot would translate. It was just everything else. And apparently, and sometimes everything else doesn't really matter that much. Like when you, you know what I mean? When you're that good at one thing, sometimes it just doesn't matter. Bryn is that good at one thing. And now he's got a big fat ring to commemorate how good he is, is that one at that one thing. Dude, that is so cool. Like you just think about how elite you have to be at something to play in the NBA. Like usually you have to be one thing. And like, he's a top 10 three point shooter in the world. Like that's a crazy thing to say out loud, but it's true. And I, I'm just like in shock saying that, you know, he's his career has brought him to world championship levels. So congrats to Bryn. Uh, hopefully he can make a little more money off of that. Hmm. Oh, I think that ring got him a nice little bonus. So Bryn's flying high right now, I'm sure it did. Um, so congrats to him. And now I can, you know, put down my my bucks and put them over here and say thank you. And I can pick up the Pistons. You know, yes. just in time and pick them back up and, and enjoy them. And Austin, what you, are the, is there any way uh, that Aaron Henry or any, let's say, is there any way a Michigan State Spartan lands on the Pistons anytime soon? Well, I, I actually we would not shock me at all. Well, OK, let's talk about Aaron Henry. Aaron Henry. Um, well, no, let me say this. The Pistons actually, I would say, have a decent shot at I wouldn't be surprised at all if they took Aaron Henry. So as they sit right now, they have number one overall pick, uh, widely expected to the point that it would be shocking if it went any other way to be Cade Cunningham. Insanely exciting as a Pistons fan to have a guy like that who we all watched in college basketball last year, just like kind of play at a level above a lot of other people. Um Super exciting to have him in the fold, obviously. But then they also have three second round picks. Now, if we've learned anything about their GM, Troy Weaver, who traded up twice last year into the first round to get Sadiq Bey and uh, Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart should have been a Spartan, whatever. Um, it's It's that he's not afraid to move around when he likes a guy. So while they have those three picks, I personally wouldn't be surprised at all if he used them to trade up into the back portion of the first round or even use kind of like the latter two to move up in the second round to get a guy that he likes. And to be honest with you, I, I, I don't see Henry as like a terrible fit for what he's drafted before. I mean, if you look at the guys he took between Killian Hayes and the guys he signed between Hayes, Stewart and Bay, they're all players that can play multiple positions on offense and can guard multiple positions on defense. Mm-hmm. And I think Aaron Henry fits that mold. I mean, if we've seen anything, Aaron Henry, that's probably his biggest strength or his, his, his biggest thing that he can bring to the table is his versatility. Now, I think the, I don't think the question with Henry is ever, will he be able to be on the floor and especially defensively. Like I think he'll, he'll be able to defend from day one. His question is always going to be until he answers it is going to be, can he shoot the ball, especially from three with enough consistency? Because we, we know he can yeah. be a playmaker. We know he can uh, defend every position. We know he can handle the ball a little bit even. Yeah. Um, 
No. Well, no, actually, that's that's not true. If he's your fifth playmaker, though, you're in decent shape. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but listen, the guy can has, brings enough versatility to the table that I think he will definitely be a second round pick and could be, you know, uh, maybe a uh, somewhat contributor next year. Maybe if not uh, down the line. But yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's a piston. I will be shocked if he does not get picked though i think he's he's got enough of a pedigree where and and you read some things where like i've seen him dangled around in the first round of some mock drafts i don't know that i believe that and i don't know that i would nothing against aaron i don't know that i'd do that personally but um you know it's it's possible yeah i mean for me he he just feels like a a kind of obvious second round draft pick that I don't want to say you take a chance on because you know what you're getting. The chance yep. you're taking is, can I put him in the G League next year? Yeah. And, and, and I need him to figure it out. Like, you need to figure out how to shoot. We know all the other things you can do. And that's why the G League's so perfect because you're like, hey, bud, you know, we don't need you to do anything but become a 35% three-point shooter. Can't If you can't do that, I don't really see a, a spot for you up here. The, yep. the good news for him is, like you said, he can walk in on day one and guard three positions. That's hard to do. That's an elite thing. And, but you got to be able to contribute, um, you know, on both ends and otherwise it's hard to see the floor. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, the Pistons don't feel like a, when you get three picks like that, you know, that's a perfect opportunity to get someone. Cause if you know, you're stashing in the G, right. It, it would make some sense. I was also wondering, put an errand to the side. I was kind of teeing you up. There are a couple other uh, Spartans in the NBA that are, have some interesting decisions to make. And you had some thoughts on Jaron Jackson. Mm, I see where you're going here quickly to close up the loop on Aaron Henry. He, he strikes me as the type of guy that a team uh, like a Utah or a Brooklyn or like a team that's really close to being like, that's looking for somebody's somewhat immediate impact, even if it's in a ninth, 10th man type of role. Yeah. Like, he fits that mold perfectly. So I think you could be hearing about him. Uh, yeah, at, definitely at some point during the draft. Um, but yes, you bring up uh, one of, one of this podcast's favorite players of all time. And that is, and that is Jaron Jackson. Um, so, so for those who may not be as aware, uh, Jaron is entering his fourth year uh, in the NBA. If you can, believe that i believe that's the case right yeah it's insane but uh basically he is due for this is the last year he's under contract and he's due for an extension after um and it's and and he's in a really interesting place because i mean listen this guy still has all of the talent in the in the world he's provided significant impact but the next three words are really kind of in the, the tail of his career to a large extent and it's when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're the Grizzlies, you have a young, growing team. But you expect to make the playoffs at this point. John Morant's good enough. Dylan Brooks is good enough. Yeah. Uh, Valanciunas has been good enough. The rest of that core is pretty solid. And you really just need kind of like that next super impact guy, that unicorn, to take you over the top. And it's Jaron Jackson. It's just... They're in an interesting spot where I think they're going to get tested. How much do you want to pay yeah. a guy who 
to this point in his career, really, if we're being honest, can't stay healthy. And it's not small injuries. It's significant injuries. Are you willing to bet big on that upside or are you going to make a smaller offer and risk him balking at it and then put yourself in a position where, you know, maybe maybe Jaron, although he seems very happy there, is asking some questions and maybe maybe questioning some things uh, and looking for a new home. Um, if I'm Memphis, I'd pay him and I take the risk because the upside there is is having the second piece of a top tier playoff yeah. team. Um, but that being said, if this is not a major, this is not a team that typically and they have definitely gone into the luxury before. Uh, but I don't think they would prefer to do historically. They don't prefer to do that. So like, there's there's some. I, I don't know if I'm the Pistons right now if I'm making that call because I don't know what picks they have unless they want to trade a future pick. I just don't see it. I don't know if it's a match there. But like, if I'm one of these other teams with like, if I'm the Magic and I have a I have the fifth and eighth picks, or mm-hmm. I'm the Thunder who have a billion picks for the next billion right. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm the the Knicks with a pick that's still in the top twenty something, but like I. I'm making that call and just seeing what the appetite is because I think it could be there for some, for for the Grizzlies. You're you're not wrong, and I think one thing to consider is that you you have our the guy who drafted him, the front office. There's always going to be like a little bit of even if you try and separate yourself from it, it's so hard to be like this yes. is first round, fourth overall pick. Like yep. we can't deal this guy, you know. Like and then yep. And, and be afraid that he becomes great somewhere else. Like there's yeah. the fear of that happening. So I think that the smart point, you already said it, it's just like sign him to a, his fourth year rookie extension. Hope he can play and say, and if he can't play 82 or, you know, 70 games, then you got to cut ties at that. Point. The, the only thing. What I could actually see them doing, the only way I cash the chip, if I'm Memphis is if I can turn Jaron plus stuff into legitimate second superstar style player. Like if I can go get my really, really good second fiddle to, for example, if I can get CJ McCollum, if I can get like, get, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm thinking long and hard about that because I love Jaron. I still believe that Jaron is an, is an absolute superstar in the making. But if you're Memphis and you've got a guy in John Morant who you want to make sure sticks around, like I want to get in him a second guy isn't the worst. Look, Pascal Siakam, like if, if you really want to trade your chips in, it's got to be for a guy of that yeah. level. Well, you know what the Grizzlies do have on the roster right now? They have a Giannis stopper, and his name is Xavier. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding, dude. I was watching – I was watching, you know, Giannis be so transcendent and great. And the, the person that gave him the most trouble this playoffs was Blake Griffin. And Blake is an incredible athlete and talent. Not the athlete he once was, but still a great athlete. And Xavier Tillman is nowhere near that, right? But what Xavier Tillman has is an incredible uh, sense uh, for where to be and how to position himself. And he has the body for it. And I was like, man. I wonder if if and when as Xavier progresses, if teams start to identify uh, those guys are just as valuable on, on contenders. Oh, yeah. You know, you're Absolutely. looking 
you got to look around, you know, and say, how do we stop this guy? You know, that that happens for LeBron. That happens for, you know, potentially you know, Zion in the future. He's already done that, by the way. Mm-hmm. You, know, like, you got to look around and say, like, you know, we got the offensive weapons to compete, how, you know, but it's unfair to say, like, for Ja, you know, to lock down on the other. You know, it's hard. Yeah, to absolutely. So I think there's some a lot of value for Xavier as he continues to progress and becomes a very cost efficient option for a contender um, as his rookie contract, you know, in a couple of years becomes available as, as a stopper. So, well, think about there's something to be said about Xavier, maybe even being part of the justification if you're Memphis for getting oh. rid of Jaron. Like, no, it's, it's no, I, I know you hate to do that, but Don't at the same time, up. like, you, you can't say that it's not something they would likely think about. I mean, they have a young cost controlled. Although don't be second rounders are, are, are very, uh, those contracts are short for those rookies, but you guys, I think they're only, I think they're only two years. Need to go to a Memphis Grizzlies podcast to get that type of talk. We will not talk badly about our Spartans in the NBA. Yeah. Or, good point. Good point. Um, so, wow. A lot of NBA talk. Look at us. Yeah. Uh, how about that? Draymond in the Olympics. About that. Yeah, hey. Sure. Here's a thought. Good to have him. He just keeps to... adding his like awesome stuff to be like, hey, remember how many Spartans have done? They look at all these accomplishments by former Spartans, and it's just like so much of it is Draymond Green at this point, which is just so cool. Dude, here's a great example. You know, not on the NBA level, but there's one reason why he's on the Olympic team, and it's not because he can shoot. Like, <laughs> no, he's certainly not. Incredible, and it and. Frankly, I'm not sure how much of this trash talk will translate to, to some folks. But, you know, I think, you know, there's so much value, obviously, in just finding guys like him in the NBA now. Where it's funny, you know, we talk about how he was a tweener and there was no spot for him. And now yeah. you know, in the copycat league, everyone's like, oh, man, we need our dream mob. You know, it's it's just funny. You know, I will say another funny aside I saw floating around on Twitter, there's you know, such a problem with COVID still in, with the USA basketball team. So uh, Miles Bridges was on the U.S. select team that uh. practiced against them, and he got, you know, sent back. And I think there was a very real opportunity for him because of all the people that were dropping at his position. Mm-hmm. Like Zach Levine got dropped. Um, can't remember. There's one other. Oh, uh, Jeremy Grant. And it was like, Man, I mean, Miles is right there. It's kind of like the next man up. You know, he could have been on the Olympic team. Like, God, that would have been so cool. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. But the funny thing is, after the NBA championship, people were joking about Devin Booker needing to get on a plane with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, I, if you think that Devin Booker wouldn't book his own private flight, yeah. are you kidding me? I can't think yeah. of a think of a worse thing to do. Than I up. have to agree to get on a 18 hour flight with two hungover dudes who just beat you. No, zero percent of me would ever consider that. I don't even want to play with them. Like, <laughs> no, I would I would quit. I would dude. Also, he wouldn't be the one that like. If I'm Giroux and Chris Middleton, like I'm resigning from the Olympic team right then and there. Like the consequences be absolutely damned. 
I'm not getting on a 20 hour flight to go play more. I'm about to go, I'm going straight to Vegas and I'm so, going to stay there for as long as I see fit. I'm so hungover. And you know, what's yeah. not going to help going to a Popovich practice for the next three weeks. And you know, what's not going to help a flight that takes a day. <laughs> like I'm not going to, I'm, I'm sorry. You know what will help? <laughs> I love my country, but this team already stinks and I'm not about to give myself to this cause. Like, I'm sorry. There won't you know, even be people oh, there. It's not even a real Olympics. 120 degree heat in Vegas while riding a, a literal and figurative high for the next two weeks. Yeah, it's it's called uh, what would you? It's called a, uh, a sweat lodge. Vegas. <laughs> I can say this because I was literally in Vegas last weekend. Which let me tell you, <laughs> you have not felt heat until you have been to Las Vegas and it's four in the morning. Not to brag. And you walk outside, and it's the hottest day of Chicago's summer out. And the sun is nowhere to be found. It is truly one of the more surreal and just, I would say, genuinely upsetting and concerning feelings you'll ever have. I think, I want to say I was there two years ago. And this is so lame. I went for my bachelor party, but I didn't go for the traditional bachelor party. I went to I go. I remember this. I went to go watch Summer League basketball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was by the way awesome but didn't you I, almost get kicked out oh absolutely they can hear everything you're saying and you can drink like wow <laughs> and they're playing in front of like two thousand people dude yeah, and you can bet awesome. on the games like it's just a complete mess and they it's just i don't know how more people aren't going and doing this with their lives but maybe i'm just a degenerate but to your point about the weather it was like crippling. Like, oh, yeah. It's overbearing. It's not something our Midwest it's, can handle. It's simply too much. That's the only way that I can aptly. It's, <laughs> I walked, I, I got off the plane. Like, my first sensation <laughs> getting off the plane was like, it is too hot. Like, I, I, in that little gap between yeah. where you get, where the door opens and the jetway comes out, Absolutely. I was like, I'll get back on this plane. <laughs> like I, I could, I could turn around. Um, Brutal. You, yeah, that was just, uh, just a shocking level of heat. Fun things I saw in Vegas before we move on. Um, oh yeah. Include uh, Russell Westbrook at about four in the morning. Wasn't sure if I was having a fever dream or not. Uh, <laughs> I saw him dapping up another guy who I saw four separate times. <laughs> by the name of Greg Oden. Greg, Greg Oden, by the way, the most unmissable person. Of course. And also, he's huge. Russell yeah. Westbrook is enormous. <laughs> I think we lose the context of yeah. the superhero level of size that these guys all are. Yes. He is one of the largest men I have ever seen in my entire life. It is he's staggering. How big yeah, he is. he's six three or six four, and he's jacked. Jacked. Like, like he is so the widest person I've ever seen. The broadest incredible. man. Yeah, and he looks like he looks like a tiny person on the court. Like the NBA is not playing basketball. That is a different sport. No. That is slam not, ball. It is truly slam ball without trampolines. Um, dude. That so. Wait a second. Was Greg Oden like big rolling, or does he have money? <laughs> 
Like, what? I, just, like, how does that work? I, I got no idea. He had several people with him. Okay. And but I saw him from across the room, and I'm like, that's Greg Oden. Like, the, it, there was, it's a sign of my own age, but also just the distinct <laughs> nature with which he walks around. You're just like, that dude's freaking huge. And the first place I saw him was at one of the pool parties. So he like is enormous and in a bathing suit. And I'm like, this is a very large man. Uh, it was, wearing it was pants. just incredible. Normal yes. size pants, which are actually bathing. Yes. Suits. He was wearing my pants, <laughs> but they were his swim trunks. It incredible. was insane. Just in, just, just a, a while, a truly wild moment. Moments. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, where are we going with that? <laughs> uh, I just think it's important to always call out anytime we see uh, Big Ten legends. So I would I agree. It's valuable. Uh, other Big Ten legends that just recently are going to play in other conferences since we last spoke. Foster Lawyer is taking Alanson <laughs> Davidson to uh, clearly become the next uh, Steph Curry. And Rocket Watts decided he wasn't quite done with MSU. Uh, just needed a different MSU and change of scenery is headed to Mississippi State, well known for their basketball acumen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, powerhouse Mississippi State is what you meant to say. I mean this sincerely. Can you name one Mississippi State basketball player ever? I can. The only Mississippi State basketball player I can name for you did not go to Mississippi State, and it's Monte Ellis. What? Monte Ellis was committed to Mississippi State. That's no way. That is the extent of my Mississippi State basketball knowledge. I think they also had another high schooler back in the day uh, who was supposed to go there and ultimately did not. And I I can't remember exactly which one it was. Like in duty EB or somebody like that. Oh, so this is clearly uh, Quindary Witherspoon. Quindary Witherspoon slander, <laughs> but. More importantly, we all do know Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood, but I think of him from Duke. He was a Duke guy first. So I don't even know if it counts. You know. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. I feel like they had a huge center once upon a time. It was like three hundred something wait, pounds. Wait, 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 wait. Tyler Hansborough's little brother. Ben Hansborough. Of course. <laughs> he <laughs> transferred from somewhere too, didn't he? I think, I think he so. went to like Pitt. That sounds absolutely right even if it wasn't true the revisionist yeah. feels right feels good yeah i mean like i i truly can't think of anyone else no. and well I, listen if rocket was looking for shots and we know he was <laughs> boy did that guy go to the right he, it's called nailing it like he just freaking nailed that decision if he was looking for shots is the funniest <laughs> thing you've ever seen <laughs> Absolutely. No, he was looking for assists. So <laughs> Michigan State is replacing him and Foster with nobody, I guess. I mean, there are. <laughs> no, they're, the irony is they're replacing them with several people, but none of them are on, uh, actually, a hysterical amount of people, but none of them are on scholarship. It is a wild amount of preferred walk-ons i don't even know if they're preferred at this point yeah are you preferred at this point or are you just a walk-on uh, how many people can be preferred what's the statute of limitations on preference <laughs> at this point if i wasn't preferred i would be offended 
I'd be like, so I'm just a walk. But preferred over who? There's like 18 guys on the team. Like who? Who? who, What were the other options? You know what's crazy is you you just said a number that in normal years would have been an exaggeration. There are actually 18 guys on the roster. Right. And if if Izzo wanted, he couldn't make it 20 because he has two scholarships available. You could have an 18. You have a JV team if you want. Which, I don't know why they wouldn't go for it. Put them in the MAC. You know State B. Soccer teams do it all the time. You know that there's uh there are actual JV teams in NCAA basketball, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing that North Carolina has a JV team. Yeah, which is just like what a flex. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I don't get it, and none of them actually make the varsity <laughs> eventually. Yeah, but, like you can't get promoted. I mean, maybe you can. I just don't see it happening a lot. But anyway, Jason Wittens from Western Michigan and Michael Peterson from Ferris State. Here are the things to to learn about these guys. Michael Peterson looks like he has an incredible Twitter game. It looks like just an awesome shit poster. He also um, averaged 9.4 points and 6.6 rebounds and shot 35% from three at Ferris State. Listen, the jump from D2 to D1 is large. But um, and if this guy's seeing the court, that's that's probably not a great sign. Yeah. You won't be hearing from us. Jason Witten's uh, Western Michigan scholarship player um, averaged four points, three point three rebounds, um, was on the receiving end of a vicious and frankly violent dunk from Malik Hall the last time they played. Mm. But the Jason Witten story that I want to talk. <laughs> Is that that one? It's it's about he's from the Upper Peninsula, and oh no wonder he's on the team. Tom can't help himself. There you go. And it it it's not shouldn't be shocking that the Iron Mountain uh, publication was the one that broke the news that he was transferring from Western to Michigan State. And the first and only publication in all likelihood to break this news. <laughs> absolutely. And I, I'll tell you sincerely. The UP, it's a bit, I mean, like, there are only 300,000 people that live up there. And, you know, this is probably the second best Upper Peninsula basketball player of all time. And I'm not saying that as a joke. Like, he he, he probably was. He played for North Central, and it was uh, a small enough school. It's Class D. And uh, if you want to think, like, it is a big jump to go from Class D to, to you know, Division One basketball. And, you know, Pierre Brooks is doing it. Um he had, which is no small feat. This kid is was on a team that played eight-man football. And wow. you should Google his name and I think Sheehan's name because Sheehan, like, did a write-up on him. He averaged, like, 20 yards a carry in the state championship game in, like, oh my God. Sounds Like, he was truly head and shoulders above everybody else. But you notice I said second-best UP player of all time. And... That's because I want to quickly focus on the best player of all time. Um, his name was Tan Lindeman, and he is uh, he went to Indiana. And, wow. Yep. He played for Bobby Knight. And wow. Yes. He was uh, undrafted in 1996, but he actually uh, signed a contract, um, had a few cups of coffee in the, in the NBA. Um, wow. He's seven feet tall. Well, there but, you go. So he, he, here's here's the thing about him. 
he played for Iron Mountain North Dickinson. And the legend has it that, you know, he was a pretty decent, all all things considered, Big Ten player by his senior year. You know, and, and, and he didn't play at all really in the NBA, but being seven foot is being seven foot, right? Right. And can't teach it. Can't teach it. And as ru- the rumor has it, the legend goes, that Bobby Knight recruited him specifically because every summer he would go up to the Lindemann family farm and hunt. And, and, the, and he wanted a reason to be able to go. When he went up the first time, he thought it was amazing hunting grounds. So he, he offered the kid and then came back and then would go back every summer he had the kid and then afterward too so that he would have a place to go hunt for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I, Listen, I, I get I, it. You, you gotta, Bobby's just playing all the angles there. You know, um, you can't slip one past Bobby. I mean, but that's like somebody it's like, oh, you're the heir to the Dairy Queen fortune. Yes, I will offer you a scholarship. Like, of course, <laughs> it's self-interest. Bobby likes to hunt. I like ice cream. We're making similar decisions. Exactly. So, Todd, uh, you know, one of the best youpers to ever do it. Hopefully Jason Witten's uh can uh, add to the UP legacy for Michigan State. Who, who knows? Um, but the schedule's coming together. We'll get into it much more later. But, dude, this might be – and we say this all the time. But truthfully, you look at this schedule. Is it the hardest of all time? Who knows? We've got Duke, Nova, Battle for Atlantis, Champions Classic game, the Gavit games at Butler, which I think I might go to, mm-hmm. and then the ACC Challenge game against Louisville. Like, that's an incredible amount of high-level competition for a team that really doesn't have a true identity. So, it'll, it'll be an so it's going to go great. It will be uh, an interesting winter. That sure. Should we take a commercial break? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's all right, do it. Here we go. Wow, this is a real big test here. I'm, I'm rusty, all right? Great. Great. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, we're back. Wow, that felt good. It did feel good. Um, is it time to talk some foosball? We we should because we looked at the schedule I think today and we were like, oh wow, we play football in like five. <laughs> oh, that's soon. <laughs> that's a thing. Um, a lot of stuff going on. Big Ten media days today. Haven't heard much from Mel, but we did hear. But here, let's start. Let's start with the NFL updates since we left you. Shaq Brown with the Steelers, Naquan Jones with the Titans. Any thoughts on those guys before we talk about the sad stuff? I always thought that Naquan was the most likely of this group to to get 
a real look. Um, that's been for the last couple of years now. I figured he was probably the best best chance. Pretty dope that he's with the Steelers. I feel like that's uh, they play that three four, which I always thought like him as a big defensive end. Or I mean, I guess he could beef up and be a true nose tackle. Um, I like that he landed there. That's a great place to fit. Wait, no, he's not with the Steelers. Where'd you say he was? Titans. Titans. Yeah, well, same thing. Um, <laughs> Shaq, okay, let me revise that. Shaq Brown, dope that he's on the Steelers. They love Michigan State corners between him and, uh, what, at one time, um, whatchamacallit, they have uh, Justin Lane. So okay. they love Michigan State guys. Um Naquan with the Titans is actually another good fit. I know they don't play the 3-4, I don't believe, but uh, I don't know. I feel like the Titans are just a really well-coached defense, and I know Jeffrey Simmons did not work for them uh, at defensive tackle, so it might be a good opportunity for him to, to get a look. But, yeah, those are, those are you know, can't get mad about them landing with two good AFC teams. Yeah, and then Antoine Simmons um, did not get a – undrafted free agent offer he's now coaching at ann arbor pioneer and it just kind of begs some questions about you know this kid was one of the better recruits msu's had he had on field production but was it all maybe mis misguided from the beginning like what do you think about him playing that position no for his future there's just not a there's no NFL future for a guy his size and speed, you know. I think his, I think it's a, a confluence of a couple of things. Um, uh, first, to your point, that size and speed profile, that size profile. Forget the speed. Five eleven, two hundred thirty pound linebackers. Not even two hundred twenty pound linebackers. Not a lot of them. There's just not a lot of them in, in anywhere. Um, so that that already is uh, you know something that was concerning, um, and then he really did not test well. Like I'm sorry, like a five eleven five eleven light guy running a four eight. Like I can't really blame NFL teams for not giving him an extensive look. Uh, you know that that being said, I guess it's a little bit surprising though, just because of the production. You would have thought somebody would have taken a a risk on that. But, you know, I, I do think to your point, you mentioned the position, all that stuff. He was a really highly rated recruit. And I would argue he lived up to his recruiting ranking uh, throughout his time. He was a really good player for Michigan State's defense. Yeah. Yeah. But he, if you remember correctly, he was recruited both as a linebacker and a running back. Uh, I actually think he's from Ann Arbor. I, I might be, Speaking out of turn here, I think Michigan recruited him as a running back. And, you know, w- while running backs in the NFL are a dime a dozen, that's that profile of that physical profile certainly fits a running back more than it fits a um, and it fits a linebacker. I think either way, this the speed would have caught up to him eventually. But like you do have to wonder if maybe he had chosen to go the running back route. We saw him with the ball in his hands. Like he was perfectly capable with the ball in his hands. Um, if he had gone that route, maybe he has a, a, a longer term future. I kind of look at it the same way 
in like the inverse of what Quiveris Crouch, the incoming linebacker, did when he was at Tennessee. I mean, he was recruited as a five-star running back, but he realized that it, you know, whatever two or excuse me, like I think he was, I think he's like six one, six two, two hundred thirty something pounds. Like, yeah, you could be a mega back, but at that athleticism at the linebacker position, like that comp, that that profile is probably going to take you a little bit further than it would at the running back position. So I, I kind of think it's the, the inverse may have happened to, to Antoine and like, you know, it, it's a bummer. You like to think he'll get another shot if he could just, I mean, listen, there's there NFL teams look under every single rock. If he wants to stay in shape and maybe um, put a little speed on, maybe he'll get a look, but yeah, it's, it's, it's too bad. So, you know, as a comp, Antoine Simmons entered the draft six feet two eighteen, and, and ran a four eight eight. Yeah, like that's with slow. A, with a low of four eight. You know, Lions fans will will talk to you ad nauseum about Jelani Tavai. Yeah, and, and and how that worked out. And that dude is what six two. Uh, Two, let's see, yeah, six two two fifty, and ran a four eight six. Right. And how'd that work out? Case in point. The thing is, if you're going to be that small, I don't think the height necessarily is an excluder. I don't right. necessarily think the size is an excluder. It's just you have to be fast <laughs> if you're going to be that small. Like, you, you, there's plenty of flawed NFL players. Like, not everybody's Miles Garrett. Like, there's 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 tons of dudes that you know aren't the fastest, aren't the biggest, whatever. But you're kind of the way that we talked about with Aaron Henry, like you're elite or Brent Forbes, I should say, you're elite at one thing or very, very good at one thing. And, you know, it, it just doesn't exist right now for Antoine Simmons. I always thought that his best position in the NFL would be like as that outside on the on the three, four or maybe some type of like hybrid safety. But uh, he just doesn't have the speed for it. Like. And it's just so strange because I always felt like he played very I, – I mean, I just remember watching him fly to the football, like time and time again throughout his time playing linebacker. Well, so I, it, it's – I have bad news for you. I, I think the, the moral of the story is my internal speedometer is not very good. Well, that and the context you were placing it against were maybe some other linebackers he was with. <laughs> you know what? That is a phenomenal point. Probably the best point you could have made. Thank you. Um, I'm bummed to have had to make it. So uh, we'll get into the linebacking core, uh, which has been upgraded since last year uh, at a later time. Um, but a very uh, – because we're going to do position breakdowns uh, here as we as we get closer to the season. But before we do that, I, I, we wanted to quickly talk about some major news that took place. And I just don't feel like it got enough buzz is Michigan State made a couple of hires. The big, splashier one seems to be the Cast Tech head coach hire, uh, Thomas Wilcher, which um, you know will hopefully pay uh, dividends in the future as to getting a, a, a bit more of a um, representation in, in the Detroit area for the talent that is still available. The bigger one, I think, Austin, you wanted to talk about was this the pickup of Saeed Khalif as the director of player personnel, um, stealing him away from Wisconsin. Yeah. So 
let's start with um, well, Wilcher is going to be the name that if you've been following Michigan recruiting, Detroit high school, Michigan high school football, any of that stuff, Thomas Wilcher is a, a, a very familiar name. He, for a certain age bracket, you might remember him playing. He, he went to Michigan. I don't think he played football, but he went to Michigan. Um, and he's been the head coach at Cast Tech, which is a massive high school in Detroit. Turned out some very, very good players over the year, including uh, current Michigan State Spartan Kalon Gervin, in addition to many others. And it's always been seen as a Michigan pipeline, like because Wiltshire has always been a or Wiltshire has always been a Michigan guy. Like he went to school there. He's been staunchly anti MSU pro Michigan. Like that's the move. And that's kind of what makes this so kind of shocking in a way. Like it's one of those names that I never would have aligned with Michigan State ever in a million years. Um, but it's in answer to Ron Bellamy, West Bloomfield's head coach, getting hired at Michigan. So Michigan adds him to kind of deepen their roots in the area. Michigan State comes back with Wiltshire. I think the interesting element of that is that MSU now, because he's not a coach, he's like an advisor or something like that, they can't recruit kids from Cass Tech next year. That's right. They can't. Like they legally cannot do it or whatever by the NCAA's rules they can't do it but down the line you would think that would pay pretty significant dividends not only at that school but like immediately next year everywhere else I mean this guy has had deep relationships not just in Detroit not just in the Detroit public league but like in southeastern Michigan Michigan as a state in general like very deep roots so I think it's a very savvy move by Mel Tucker who once again is showing that recruiting is the lifeblood of a program and putting an emphasis on that, unlike anything we've certainly ever seen at MSU. Um, and yeah, I think it's a great hire, but, but to your point, the Saeed Khalif hire is much more impactful. So to those who don't know, Scott Aligo was the former, um, Michigan state, yeah, director of player personnel. I believe he went back to Kansas for the same role. And then MSU went and then pulled Khalif away from Wisconsin. So he had been there for the last, I want to call it five or six years, maybe a little longer, but in that vicinity. And if you look at the recruiting classes they managed to have under him, they are, I think, the three or four highest rated recruiting classes in Wisconsin history. Wisconsin, a program that has churned out a ton of pros and had tons of success winning without those types of recruiting classes. It's not unlike this. I mean, it's again, it's it's the comparison Mark D'Antonio made when he first came. He said, I want to be Iowa. I want to be Wisconsin. I mean, it's a team that had has had a ton of success and he was able to recruit kids from all over the country, not just from the Midwest. This guy has been everywhere. And they, he's starting to get national recruits to Wisconsin. And listen, if you're from the Midwest, you know Wisconsin. You you respect Wisconsin. You always expect them to be good. But it's not the sexiest school in the world. It's in the middle of a very cold state. Um, and, you know, if you're a, a big-time player in in and you're going to go to the Big Ten, Wisconsin's not one of the first places you think to go. Yet, 
he was able to pull these kids from all over the country. And I think it says a lot about his, you know, ability to recruit. And I think, I think once again, Mel Tucker showing that that is the first and foremost skill that you need to have. If you want to work for him is the ability to recruit. So I think he's proven the fact that he's proven he can do it at a program that isn't basically isn't Michigan, Penn state or Ohio state is incredibly exciting for MSU fans because again, we've been to that mountaintop more than some of those schools, but the fact of the matter is the, they're always going to carry a cachet that, you know, MSU can carry and has carried, but it's not a permanent part of their DNA just yet. He can help bring those national recruits in the same way uh, Tucker is right now, but maybe, maybe even on a different caliber. So it's, it's a very exciting hire. When I saw that one, that's that's and to pull him from Wisconsin, like to damage your in-conference team while doing that is it's pretty nice. It's a really big pickup. I mean, can't be understated because as you mentioned, you know, this is a guy and he he's not just recruiting. I think what he brings to the table is he he's a he's a um a talent identifier. It, yes. It, and who does that better than Wisconsin? Quite great point. Nobody. And and outside of offensive linemen, you know, who will flock to play there for good reason, it's incredibly difficult to find year in and year out, you know, average to above average talent at other positions considering the limited reach of Wisconsin's recruitment abilities. And, 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 you know, he is the reason for that. And so he probably, and I, I don't know, will be assisting the uh, position coaches in identifying talent and handing off the recruiting to them after helping identify from the, yep. you know, the pool is so big of high school athletes, you know, and, 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 and he, if he can, if he sees something, then it's probably worth going after. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a huge pickup. Huge. And it's just it's just so exciting because it just feels like it's another signal beyond what's been happening in the transfer portal, beyond some of the coaching hires that have been made, beyond, you know, just the general improvement of talent. Like it feels like it's Mel Tucker's program now. And it's not that it didn't last year, but you know, last year was I think we're going to look back at some point and you're going to be like, OK, what was the weirdest thing to happen in college football? Like, who got put in the shittiest situation? It's Mel Tucker. Like, dude was put in the worst situation and to turn it into something that's looking like halfway decent, if not more than that, depending on where you land. Uh, well, by, I, the, by before the kickoff of year two is is I mean, that's that's saying something, man. Well, and I uh, I think I told you Phil Steele, who does an incredible preview. He does yes. also power five teams. Um, and, and does a really intense breakdown of each one, which I can't imagine doing. I, we can barely do it for our team. And, right. and, and he called out in that preview that specifically Mel Tucker had the worst deck uh, of cards. For, for worst hand dealt to him, right? And, and it was interesting to hear that from a non-partial person. Um, so, yeah, it was big. One quick thing I want to set aside about Wiltshire, I think is just one of the coolest things ever, is when he was a head coach at Cast Tech, um, he 
was the first uh, head coach in, in broadcast tech to win the first state championship for Detroit public school team at the class A level. That wow. never, had never happened, um, which when you think about it, it's like, damn. And That's did, crazy. He did the, the swaggiest thing that I've ever heard of, especially at a high school level. He had the cast tech football team before the state championship game dress at their own locker room at Cast Tech High School. And they walked in pads and cleats to Ford Field. From yeah. Awesome. In in line. And at the end of the game, when they won, they took the trophy and they walked it to the high school as a team. It's the swaggiest thing of all time. Incredible. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, another Another thing that shouldn't be lost here, too, is that I think it's really cool, and I think it's a very progressive sign here that he's hiring two more people of color to his staff. Like, I think that that's an amazing element that should not be lost, that people are, you know, he's making this not only just incredible staff, but, you know, doing it with uh, a really diverse group of people, which I think is is a testament to, to who Mel Tucker is as a person. I think it's going to pay dividends for a thousand different reasons. And Absolutely. And, and I'm just, you know, it's a great point, a good call out. Speaking of diversity, the the 2022 recruiting class is not over, but certainly past the halfway point. And he has 15, Mel's received 15 commits from uh, recruits from nine different states. And that is a, a you know, reach that we, I don't think D'Antonio has ever done in a recruiting class. I would if he'd ever touched nine different states, period, uh, over his tenure. You know, different recruiting methods, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, there was success for Mark uh, doing it one way. This is a completely different way. Uh, just, wow, nine different states. So, yeah, he's spread it around and, um, you know, not quite finished yet. A couple big fish still on the board that uh, some would say are looking pretty good. So, I don't know. I mean, right now, the class, it's hard to, to rank because everyone has a different number of commits. But this class is probably going to finish between the 25 uh, to 30th rank, I would imagine. And, uh, but they landed their biggest gem um, so far. And they got their quarterback, Austin. And yeah. give a sh- let me talk through him and then we'll segue into the position breakdown. Yeah, so it's uh, it's the biggest deal in any class is is who'd you get a quarterback it's the most important position and having a stockpile of them in the game in college football is critical i would say they were obviously very sold on hamp fay a year ago so this is nothing and it's also important this isn't necessarily like taking away from the other guys that are on the team and the impact that they can make it's just you need a quarterback at least one quarterback in every class and you need to let them battle it out to see who's going to end up uh, being the guy. So you want to have multiple options. Uh, and their option in this class is, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, but Katin, Katin Hauser. Um, Kate, he is Kaden Hauser. Ah, see, there you go. Kaden Hauser. Um, I, well, put it this way. He's already jumped into the top 250 overall recruits on 24-7. Um, so that should tell you the caliber that you're working with. He was an Elite 11 quarterback. Um, who did really well at the camp. 
and uh, was previously committed to Boise State, had some interest from some, from some other schools, but he actually is a really like interesting story. So I guess as a sophomore, he um, got hurt, but still transfer. He got hurt and then he transferred to, I believe St. John Bosco, right? In, in either yes. California or Nevada, um, where he had to come back from injury and then also split time with another big quarterback. And yet he was still showing enough that he had an offer and a committable offer from Boise State. So this guy's honestly, yes, he's got a little bit of an injury history. But he's not going to have a whole lot of miles on him by the time he actually starts playing uh, collegiate football. So th- th- that's an interesting element to, to his recruitment. But um, I, when you read about him, when you watch him, you know, from what I have on what limited game tape he has and some of the Elite 11 stuff, um, really quick release, like gets that ball out of there in a hurry, uh, and like a, a short delivery, but he's got a, he's got a pretty, pretty darn strong arm too. He's not, he's not a dink and dunk type of guy. Um, honestly, he's very impressive to, yeah. to watch. The dude is, is got a, got a hose and it's, and it's fast. Like it's a, it's, he gets that ball. He decides he wants to throw it, and it's a flick of the wrist. And he's a flick of the wrist, and he's putting it 40 yards down the field into a bucket on a couple of times that I saw. So I think the physical profile is pretty much all there. He can also move a little bit, too. Like, he's he's not he's definitely not a um, – No Kirk Cousins. No, no. I wouldn't even say he's – he's not a power runner. Like, he's definitely more of the uh, – kind of like what you would typically expect out of a, you know – when you think mobile quarterback, it's not like the Rocky Lombardi downhill mobile. It's the slippery, Ill, elusive, slippery type of quarterback. So, I mean, physically, it's and skill wise from what we've seen. I mean, there's there's a certainly quite quite a bit to to work with. And now, you know, we're, again, just to, to get back to the pipeline, you're looking at a team that's going to have. I mean, next year, you'll probably have Peyton Thorne, as we'll get into our preview here, Peyton Thorne. Hamp Fay and Caden Hauser. I mean, whoa, who did I forget? Noah Kim. Oh, Noah Kim, the great Noah Kim, who looked pretty good. Yeah, spring ball hater and is apparently able to just toss bars and weight around. Uh, um, well, let's do the position breakdown. You know, obviously, Hauser is, is a future uh, 2022 freshman. Um, you know, lot to play out, but there is a position battle at the quarterback, uh, the signal caller, Anthony Russo transfer from temp temple, um, all time leader in like every statistical category for, uh, temple and passing and, and quarterback play, which is awesome. I would also contend that. I don't know if what that means. Actually, I do. <laughs> I, I know exactly what that means. And I don't know if that translates to the power five level because, frankly, you could tell me that, you know, he broke every record at Grand Valley State. And, and I'd still be I'd be as skeptical as I am about breaking every record at Temple. So, you know, lots of play out. At least he it could be worse. He could, he could have set no records. At Temple, I'm gonna be very concerned. Great point. Um, but uh, it, the battle seems to be quite firmly between uh, the new, fresh-faced Anthony Russo 
who will have one year with the Spartans. And then Peyton Thorne, who we saw get a start in against Penn State and, and saw some other time um, and, and played okay uh, in, in his time. I'm not quite sure who has the leg up right now. So I would say Thorne just because of, you know, playbook experience, but really it was like seven games with this regime. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I don't know. So he's a redshirt sophomore. You, you know, I, I'm curious your thoughts and, and, and not just your thoughts on who you think will win, but who, who would be better for the program to. to yeah. Win? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you talk about these, well, first of all, this is the storyline, right? Like this is, there's a lot of other stuff going on with this team. I mean, there are a ton of positions that are in arguably more flux than this one. Um, and yet this is the one you're going to hear about the most and is going to be widely scrutinized as we get into fall practice here coming up pretty soon. Um, it's, it's really interesting because you're, you're dealing with, I mean, such diametric opposites, I think not only in experience, but also in like stature in kind of how they play the game. Um, Russo comes in, like you said, six year senior, you know, guys got tons of experience. Uh, he's also got a huge arm like this. This guy has, when you talk about arm strength, he has NFL arm strength. He can, he can throw the ball a million all the way down the field. Um, so that in, and some would say based on the way MSU played last year, specifically with Rocky Lombardi at quarterback, that could give him a leg up because they really played that 500 ball offense quite a bit. Um, <laughs> no, they did that. And they, one team who did not know how to handle it. <laughs> it was, well, they love to go deep and he has the arm to do that. That is for sure. Um, he also has been very turnover prone in his career, thrown a lot of interceptions. So you, you all, you look at him and you see, okay, this, this is, you cut those inception interceptions down and you got a pretty darn good quarterback on, on your, on your hands. I mean, I think there, it's a very good option. We'll put it that way. Um, Peyton Thorne is, it's a, interesting like i said diametric opposite much shorter not as big in arms not a bad arm by any stretch we saw some really nice throws from him down the field last year but like you know not as big an arm definitely more mobile been at the school for a little longer seems like a real like locker room really seems to like him at this point probably has more chemistry with some of these wide receivers like there's an element of like hometown hero in a, in a in a way with him right now. And I don't, I truly don't know who is, is going to come out on top of this battle. I, because let's think about it this way. If Russo wins, there's a very decent chance that Peyton Thorne transfers like, and, and you couldn't blame him, even though he would get the chance to start again next year. You can't blame him for losing two quarterback battles and being like, all right, maybe this coaching staff isn't the one that like wants me to be here. Yeah. Could never blame him for for for, and he'd have plenty of suitors. Well, um, the thing about that though, I, you're not wrong, but then he would be up. You know, Russo's gone after one year. You know, however, yeah, true. But you know, and then he's got to enter himself in another battle with. We already mentioned three other guys. You know. Yep. 
I don't know how, and, and they're going to, Hip Fate, we were singing his praises. You know, it's like there's, there's, there's right. stuff in the pipeline, that's for sure. So Yeah, it's so, If I'll put it this way. If Russo wins, it creates a much larger, potentially like existential kind of problem for Michigan State to solve next year. Because you just don't know where these pieces are going to go following this this year now if to your question the best thing for the program would be if peyton thorne wins the job that is the best thing that could possibly happen for this program because it means he will have beaten out worthy opponents a a very worthy adversary in anthony russo and now you have your quarterback for the next three years and there isn't a program in the country that wouldn't love to know they have their guy for the next three full seasons i mean that is that is a i guess it's an invaluable resource we've seen it so many times with connor cook kirk cousins i mean like brian lewerke like these are guys that as they get older they typically get better and they typically will lift the overall performance of your team Uh, i just think that if, if you're sure. talking, if, if you're talking best case scenario for the program, it's, it's, it's Russo losing, well, it's not Russo losing the job. It's Thorne winning the job. There you go. Yeah, you, I, we completely agree. There's, there's, it's not going to be easy though. You know, Russo's not bad, but as you mentioned, his turnover problem is very pronounced. Well, and we saw that cost Rocky Lombardi a job last year. I mean, yeah, yeah, and like you, I, you'd like to think that Anthony Russo is a more polished quarterback than Rocky Lombardi, and has some decent passing yardage. You know, and this is a guy that forces it. Like yes, he, he, Rocky Lombardi would too, but he also connected on a lot. Of, he had he he won a lot of those. He bet on himself a lot at Temple. Um, and he's got a lot of confidence in his arm. Yeah, I think is the best way to put it. Because he knows he's got a cannon, and he thinks he can get it into any window. And he, that's what happens to these guys. Meanwhile, Rocky Lombardi is just making terrible reads. Like yeah, that's that is just, correct. Let's call it what it is. And so you know, Russo is more more is a different quarterback than Peyton Thorne, as you've outlined. But Peyton Thorne, the only thing that I don't know, I don't know. The question mark for me is. Once a quarterback, you've seen them get happy feet, bail on stuff, pockets, because there was no pocket, and the offensive line last year was mm-hmm. just miserable, and the sack rate was miserable. Like, yep. can you, like, it's hard to, it's hard to, like, unteach happy feet. Like, when, Absolutely. You, when you run for your life a few times, like, it's hard to, to come back from that and be like, it's fine now. It's safe. We have new left tackle. We have, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just difficult. I wonder how that will play out. And if, if Peyton can, can stick it out in a pocket um, or if he's going to rely like he has his entire life on his feet. And that's not a recipe for success long-term. Uh, I, I don't know how that one's going to play out. No. And you hit on, and this is the quarterback position breakdown, but the key to this entire thing on offense, not being a complete and total 
shit show is the offensive line being co- competent. We're not even we're not even talking good. I'm talking competent. Michigan State has had great, maybe not great, productive offenses with average offensive lines plenty of times. And you can't look around this roster and say that it's not a talented group, especially of these skill players. Like there's plenty of talent to score points on this offense. It's whether the offensive line can do its job to give them a running game to trust and to give the quarterbacks time to make throws. Yeah, I think you hit on the head. Like they have a com- they have enough competitive players. Not elite, not even nope. you know, not even you know top quartile. Maybe not even fiftieth percentile. But that's not what you're asking for. You're looking at up and down the roster and you're saying, Can we get a decent enough running game with Kenneth Walker Jr. and Jordan Simmons and Elijah Collins? You think I think uh, you'd hope so. Do you think that the offensive line can hold a pocket long enough to get Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed the ball? You hope so, right? Like, right. And, 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 and then you kind of just hope that you rely on the defense to continue to get better and, and stay at an elite level with all of the former defensive coordinators who are on the staff. Right. And now you have a competitive team that's growing and getting better with year over year. So – yeah, you're right. It's like, can you be competitive at the quarterback position? That's the ask this year. Yeah, I don't think anybody I, – I don't think we're – you know, this team doesn't need an NFL quarterback to be great. It doesn't. I, I mean, it, need it, it needs it needs a – you always hear the term that's probably overused, but it's the, the game manager. You need a guy who's not going to make mistakes. This team, it's the same as last year. It's the same as kind of every year, the way I look at the game of football. It's like just limit your mistakes. Play decent team football. When you don't have the individual prowess to to just win games because you're, you've got Henry Ruggs and he's faster than everybody or you've got Chris Olave and he's better than everybody, or you know what I mean? When you don't have that, like you have to play smart team football. And – Hamashua did not do that consistently last year. And if they can do that, they can win games. There's enough talent to make a smart team quite good, in my opinion, on this roster, at least offensively. I would say a game manager, decent quarterback makes this team, it makes them a bowl team. And that's as far as I'll go. I think you do. They were two and five last year. So I think we should all be. Be very pleased with with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would say I think you do need an NFL quarterback on this roster for this team to be great. Because to be great, yes. <laughs> because there's a lot to be desired. But as we said, it is a better the picture is being painted uh, in a better light than it was this time last year. So, um, about it. yeah, I mean, to quickly wrap things up, I want to throw one more thing on the board. And then we'll we'll dip. But uh, a scheduling thing took place. Boise State dropped uh, the return home and home ish deal we had with them, uh, likely because they learned we got Hauser and stole him and they just were cowards and bitter and said we're out. Obviously. Yeah. Which means that our home and home with Washington moved up to next year and the year after. And you better believe I am headed uh, to Seattle for that 
um, to participate in the sail gating that takes place on campus. Um, I've never been more excited to go to an away football game than this. Just an awesome word. Yes. Sailgating. I am jacked. So uh, getting it on the board ahead of time. If any of you uh, cool cats and kittens are headed out (laughs) to Washington for that game, I would love to know because I bet I bet Michigan State shows out for that that away game. Yeah, we always do. Yeah, exactly. So anything else you want to add? We missed we two two months packed it all in here. Um, I feel pretty good. I feel like we kind of nailed it. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, we're you know if you can believe it, we're basically in August. Uh, football is going to be here. Oh God, very soon. Um, like one, and, five weeks from now. Yeah. So here's my. I'll leave everyone with a piece of advice. Just enjoy the next five weeks, because as excited as we are for football to come back, it also means football's coming back. Oh, it's and yeah, and that's just that's just something we're all going to have to deal with. So enjoy your next five weeks. We will be along for the ride here at a much more regular pace than we have been now that we've returned from our mini sabbatical. Um, <laughs> our walkabout. But yeah, our walk. That's right. Our spirit quest. Um, but yeah. That's it, John. So for John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you guys next week. See ya.